is the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Arabell. That's right. It's Fantasy Focus Baseball for t- Thursday, July 11th, 2019. A beautiful day. Welcome to the second half of the season. And yes, we still have a show. I'm Eric. He's Tristan. Joining us today, researcher slash producer slash pal to all, Kyle Sapi. And I have no idea if our editorial watchdog, Tom Carpenter, is there. Is he there? Is no dice. No dice. Okay. Well, He'd be quiet anyway. We wouldn't, we wouldn't know. <laughs> so they've given up on giving us an editorial watchdog, which is good. Today's the day I probably curse. On today's fine show, we look ahead to the second half of the season. It's obviously the second half of games, but MLB schedules its all-star break later. Which top players will not continue their success? Um, Tristan's Dynasty 300 about to be posted, plus pitchers to watch this weekend, close a carousel, and of course later on, Myriad Hash Browns. Hope everybody had a good all-star break. I miss baseball. I watched the AAA all-star game on Wednesday night, and some of those guys, I mean, Mike Ford. I mean, there's a lot of those guys that aren't going to matter and to, to fantasy managers. There's some. There were some players that would matter. That would matter, I guess. But then you see pitchers coming into the game with an ERA of six, and I'm like, they must have had trouble finding all stars. They, they must it. have been using a, a a certain baseball. Well, they are in AAA. Yeah, they and are. I gotta tell you. So I talked to a lot. I was in Cleveland for the All Star game and and uh, the Futures game and. I talked to a bunch of players about the new baseball, and obviously what Justin Verlander said to Jeff Passan is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these pitchers know. I talked to Shane Bieber the day before he won All-Star Game MVP honors because I have him on all my teams. And you know I have him on all my teams because I loved him this winter, and uh, I didn't tell him that. But um, they know <laughs> it's a different baseball. And Bieber said something like, well, I'm glad it's in AAA now so you can at least get used to it there. That's a, That was a pretty good comment. Um yeah. What other stuff? I mean, hitters know, although they don't really like they, they didn't change like pitcher. Pitchers have trouble with their off speed stuff. We know that, but you know, Garrett Cole's like, I'm giving up homers. There's nothing I can do about it. Look at the baseball. He knows it's it's crazy. But the best quote I got, I'm, I'm sure you didn't read it, Tristan, because you never read my. Work, I haven't but, made it all the way through yet because I got the link like ten minutes before the show. <laughs> well, the best quote I got, I don't even know if I can say this word. And of course, no editorial watchdog, but uh, they ran it. So Kirby Yates said, um, I asked what changed two years ago. He's like, I just didn't want to suck anymore. That's a great quote. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. Anyway. I remember he was turning the corner a little bit with the Yankees there. There, there were hints. and He, he was always managed. a strikeout guy. Always yeah. a strikeout guy. Now he's yeah. arguably the best closer in baseball. Um, and we'll get to some all-star break thoughts after this. Here's the buzz. All right, I wasted enough time in the open. Pete Alonso and Vlad Guerrero Jr. put on a show in the Home Run Derby. Um, I think we talk about this every year, so let's just get it out of the way now. Your thoughts, Tristan, on guys who hit a lot of home runs in that Monday Night Derby and what their second half means because of it. Does it affect them or not? Uh, it's total nonsense, the Home Run right. Derby curse. Uh, I will say that that... This was an unusual spectacle compared to years past because it 91 and what was it for Alonso 50 something home runs. Wow. Yeah. And for Guerrero to have had that that double overtime matchup, I, I mean I mean they 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 looked fatigued. I mean he especially looked fatigued afterwards. So maybe there is a little bit of a lull of the first couple of days because he didn't get a true traditional break. I, I think there's just way too much made of this. One of the reasons that the Home Run Derby curse has been uh, talked up so much over the years is that the guys who get the nominations for the Derby have had such a good first half that they were going to be due natural regression anyway, and Alonso probably qualifies for that. 
So, and I mean, Lonzo, to put the numbers into historical perspective, third most home runs all time through this number of games he's played in his career. Third most. He's one homer behind the all-time lead through this number of career games. So he was likely to regress a little bit anyway, but he's still an awesome power source. And, you know, that hit in the All-Star game, the thing that impressed me most, I mean, it's one play, but this guy's not just selling out fully for power. He's a capable hitter. Absolutely. And after two weeks in April, I was comparing him to Reese Hoskins already. I mean, that's a guy... Not, not going to win a batting title, but lots of power, lots of RBI. can hit the ball the other way if he wants to. Um, I wouldn't worry. I mean, look, players get tired in general. It's a six-month you know, marathon of a season. Yep. So to expect Pete Alonso to hit 10 homers every month, it's just not there. But Vlad, we expect a big second half, I assume. We know he can hit. He just hasn't had great numbers. Brandon Lau, the second baseman for the Rays, told me he thinks he's the leader right now for the rookie of the year in the American League. And he's like, look at these other guys. They're yeah. hitting the ball a million feet. You know, He's like, the war leader, uh, Lau, in the American League, if I'm not mistaken. And by the way, Guerrero, I mean, we, we need to say it. He's He's been, I'd say, a pretty noticeable disappointment. Frankly, based on what we expected in the first half, he's been massively overrated. But I agree with you that I think that the star numbers are coming. This this could just be merely a buying opportunity. That includes in the dynasty leagues or the dynasty leagues. Go ahead and, and pay now. If his if his manager has any doubts, I don't. I have no doubts, although I would say this. The top rookie to me for fantasy this year and in dynasty is Fernando Tatis Jr. I I, I think he's a 30-30 option. I, now, I'm looking. Now, when is your uh, dynasty 300 going to run on ESPN? That would be uh, tomorrow, Friday, the All 12th. Right, Friday. And so you gave me a sneak peek, and, I mean, I love Tatis. You, Vlad is ranked well. Of course, no Mondesi ranked well. but He's I, ranked, uh, you see, that, that the definition of well comes into right, play that's there. You're right, that's fair. That's fair. Well could be, you know, context. Yeah. You need context. But the first thing I noticed is that Mike Trout's not their number one. Yeah. So let me ask you, what went into your thinking on that one? And who is it? Ah, uh, that I'm completely nuts. No, I think I think you can make a case for it. I mean, look, you're talking about a difference of five years off the top of my head. How many years difference in their ages? Um, yeah. You know, why would an older guy want to keep stealing bases? Uh, so you, who do you have number one and why? It's Ronald Acuna Jr. And you mentioned the age difference. It's six years. Yeah. So simply the volume. And yes, I, I do say at the top of this column that it is a five-year run. So what we would count here is... The remaining half of this year, the next three complete seasons, and then the last part that goes under the formula is the fourth year out, which would be 2023 and beyond. And I think in Acuna's case, if you're in a true dynasty, he's competitive with Trout even in the, let's say, the three-year keeper league. I think that he makes a competitive case for number one overall. But I think in the long-term aspect, I want to make a statement here. Acuna, this is the other one. I'm going to pull a home run derby thing in and, and go small sample and be ridiculous. The guy was hitting home runs all over the place. This guy can put the ball wherever he wants. Go onto his Fangraphs page. Go onto our pages. Go anywhere you find stats and look at the numbers. His skill set is so incredibly balanced, and he hasn't shown the slight hints of the bumps and bruises that Trout has. I mean, at 27, I'm not going to panic over that, but it's just a little, like, that, that little hair's difference. I think Acuna's got some incredible dynasty potential. I agree. Check out Tristan's uh, top 300 dynasty this weekend. No pitchers in the top 10. I agree with that. And some interesting, great discussion points. I, I feel like I should almost write a blog entry based on your top 300 dynasty. Go for just it. To discuss. I well, like it. I mean, my editor's not. I don't. Well, whoever. Anyway, I'll do it at some point, or maybe we'll just discuss on a future show. Um, I, I want to. Can, can I ask you a quick uh, yeah, bounce, yeah. bounce off question here? 
the pitching strategy in Dynasty, especially with the talk about the openers, the the volume uh. for the top guys going down. I, I've I actually had an adjustment downward for all closers. I felt that oh, there yeah. was only really five guys I cared about at all in this ranking set. I didn't want to rank relief pitchers as a position. I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to. After ten I thought, ah, who cares? I don't even keep closers in Dynasty Leagues. But it's even worse now, I think, than it might have been 10 years ago because there's so much unknown. And if you look at some of the big names, there are just just not enough of them. I mean, six months ago, we would have had Jose Leclerc as a good dynasty closer. Now he can't even beat out Sean Kelly. So And he's, and he's still probably a top 30 dynasty relief pitcher. Yeah. Um, which is incredible. Any thoughts on Tuesday's All-Star game? Obviously, pitchers dominated with a lot of strikeouts there. Um, there were a few home runs. Joey Gallo, first pitch off a lefty who doesn't give up home runs a lefty, Will Smith. And Smith was brought in to face him. We know Gallo's good. But Bieber, uh, Soroka, who I also talked to and wrote about, um, any thoughts on some of the pitchers here just showing off their stuff? I mean, yes, it's a different baseball, but good pitching still beats good hitting. And baseball. Uh, n- nothing that I think spins it forward in terms of altering value, but the two statements for me, and they kind of highlighted the fact that they were awesome in the preseason, is that, uh, in the pre, in the first half, <laughs> is Bieber, as you mentioned. I don't think people realize how truly incredible Bieber was for mm-hmm. fantasy, especially from the point about May 1st until the All-Star break. He was pretty darn amazing, because I remember there was, you, know, you, you even wrote in your column about that game where he gave it the four home runs with Chicago, I think. Yeah. Um, that was a time where he was not showing his, his usual self. And the incredible, incredible step forward that he took is being able to make it the third time through the lineup. That's the reason for the openers in the first place. This guy's now able to pitch deep into games. That's a significant difference for him, even if he doesn't have the elite Verlander-esque or Chris Sale-esque kind of stuff. The other thing that struck me from the All-Star break is, uh, from the All-Star break, the All-Star game is, as you said, Gallo's home run. Gallo is a guy who has talked of a lot as he got a snub for the home run derby, and in the first half, he made some significant adjustments that I think got kind of swept under the carpet just because of that injury stint that he had. I think he's he's prime for a really big second half. I agree, and if there's any one thing I can take from the, the pitchers I spoke to, because they weren't, you know, some of them weren't supposed to be, Bieber was not supposed to be this. I remember when I drafted him in a league, I took him in a sim league, I took him in a fantasy league, and people were like, why are you doing that? He's not a strikeout guy. And a lot of the like prospect guys were like, he's never going to be a strikeout guy. He's seventh in strikeouts right now. Just don't buy the low hype either. Like, or that's not the right way to say it. Don't believe everything you hear. Some guys make adjustments and they might not seem like strikeout guys, but then they become them. And then there's Soroka, who's not striking out a lot of guys at all. He's like in the bottom 10, I think, in K rate among qualifiers, but he's getting outs because his sinker is so effective. So I just want to say strikeouts aren't everything and K rates do change. So, and you can make up for a Soroka not striking out a ton of guys with Pretty easily by taking a tie. I mean, Garrett Cole is going to strike out 300 batters. It's yeah. unbelievable. K-rate, by the way, is not all about stuff. Sometimes Absolutely. it is about incredible command of the pitches and control, and sometimes it's about just dumb luck. And in this case, we got to credit Bieber for the... Uh, in. I mean, we've mentioned this before. He has amazing control that's happened since he got called up. Soroka, the other thing, too, is he's kind of been lucky in the Hyunjin Ryu uh I guess in, in that bin where they they didn't have injuries this year. They stayed healthy. But Soroka has very good control himself, and that doesn't get talked up enough. And he's not trying to prevent home runs. He's basically just putting the ball where he wants and letting them swing through these sinkers. 
He's got fantastic stuff. And I don't even view Soroka. You you say Ryu and Soroka not getting hurt. I don't view Soroka as an injury risk. I view Ryu as an injury risk. Soroka just happened to have an injury as a rookie. That that happens. But I think the the point to that is you're right. He's much younger. There's nowhere near the same injury reputation. It's not even close. But I think the reason why people weren't more in on Soroka this year was because he did finish last year with that injury in the second half. And it's a shame that that happened because he is a very good young prospect. Baseball season is well underway, and there's no better place to get your tickets than on SeatGeek. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person. SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Speaking of being there in person, SeatGeek asks baseball fans from all 30 teams all across the country which stadiums have the best experience. From the food to the traffic, they ranked it all. Want to know where your team ranks? Check them out at www.seatgeek.com dot com slash stadium uh dash guides and find out what fans said about your favorite stadium. I have some thoughts on that. Um that's ww.seekeek.com slash stadium slash guides. Uh but whether your team ranked high or low, make sure to get out to a game this season with SeatGeek and to help you get even more savings on tickets, our listeners get ten dollars off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code FFB today. That's promo code FFB for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, let's take a look now at the player rater for the first half, the top 20 for hitters and pitchers, and each name a guy or two that we think may surprise and keep going, or a guy or two that you want to get rid of as soon as you can. Looking at the hitters now, Tristan, the top there, obviously Yelich, Bellinger, Trout, Acuna, Unbelievable players. They're all going to continue. Raphael Devers, you know, we were asked, um, I don't even remember where because I can't think, but who's the MVP of the first half of the season for the hitters and the pitchers? And you think, oh, I'd use it based on value, like where did you draft them, how much did you have to pay in an auction? I thought, Josh Bell. You know, Raphael Devers is ahead of Josh Bell in the player writer because of the steals? Amazing. Yeah, and I mean, Devers' first half is another one that I think has been a little bit overlooked in general, and probably one of the reasons for that is that he also started slow, and I remember when the Red Sox got off to that really terrible road trip to start their season, Devers was one of the guys absorbing criticism, and you and I even talked about it, that if it had continued that Michael Chavis, who got called up eventually to play elsewhere, could have been a factor at third base, Devers really turned it around, and he was showing much better contact in the early weeks. That paid off big dividends in the past two months. Um, who's the hitter in the top 20? I mean, Tim Anderson's the obvious one. He's number 20. He's on the injury list right now. And somebody on Twitter said, don't say Tim Anderson. So I'm going to absolutely say Tim Anderson. <laughs> but, I like it. Um, anybody else here? I mean, they, like Mondesi's number seven, but only because of the stolen bases. We're not doing anything else. He's healthy now. I think he can steal bases. There's no sign of Trey Turner in the top 20 either. So I, I think we have to look at them similarly. Um, obviously maybe a difference in batting average. Right now we're not seeing it. So who's a guy in the top 20 here that we don't think is going to end up in the top 20 among the hitters? Yeah, so I mean, putting aside Mondesi because the stolen base calculation is going to make that a little bit variable, I think Cattell Marte is going to have a tough time repeating what he did in the first half. And look, credit him for an amazing first half. Some of the gains that he has made are truly legitimate. He showed some hints of this last season. But this was also a lot of things going right for him. And I don't feel like he's a natural elite guy in terms of power or speed. So if he has any sort of regression in those two categories, I think that he's probably going <laughs> to... I mean, I, th- I think he might have a tough time getting in the top 50 at, by the the end of the year. Um, I think DJ LeMahieu. It's a lot of batting average. Some power. 
Oh, you're not a lover of DJ LeMahieu. I'm a lover. He's the AL MVP. I, I, Come on. I, I, he, that's ridiculous, by the way. Oh, there are many people who are going to dispute that with you. Till... He's not the MVP of the American League. I, I agree on. with it. I, look, I, I get what people are trying to say, that he's always the most important guy in the Yankees. He's had a great first half, but there are a lot of people making the case. Whenever there's a player in the top 20 in the Raider who's doing uh, – who one category is carrying him so much, I get a little bit concerned. That's Montessi. That's Merrifield a little bit. Mm-hmm. Pete Alonso to some degree because – you know, he could hit 220, 230 in the second half. So that's a risk there. Um, I don't think any of these guys are really going to fail. I mean, I think Montessi is a better player than you think, but still stuff to watch. I mean, where does Montessi finish? Give me a number on Montessi's finish. Well, because of the steals, I still think he finishes top 10. I mean, it's just, he's yeah. got more steals than everybody else and it's not even close. And there's nobody else I think is going to steal 40. So to me, it's not fair to judge him, but like Billy Hamilton ended up as a top 10 player once or twice in the Raider just because of the stolen bases, and he was a terrible player in every other category. Mm-hmm. I but Montessi doesn't uh, have to do much. I do believe Malik Smith is on pace for the 40. Okay. But I, I but I do see your point. There is a, a nice gap. I mean, even if, it's, even if it's between the third and fourth guy on the, the overall yeah. list, there's a decent gap, and Montessi's weight of the stolen bases are going to carry here. All right, pitchers here in the top 20 on the Raider, and I sh- we should do it just by starters. So let me just go there, because the relievers... It's not fair to put them in. I mean, who would you oh, rather have, Kirby is. Yates or Justin Verlander? It's not close, but their value might be similar because Yates has all these saves. So starting pitchers now for the top 20. And uh, there's some interesting names here. I did talk to Brandon Woodruff. That strikeout rate is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize. Now, obviously, it's it's a Samarja like ERA and Whip from the old years from Samarja. But uh, Giolito, do you trust? Because lately, it's not been so good. I, I do trust him because we we warned people that a lot of the the helium going on with him in May and the early part of June had to do with the win streak. The wins were driving the player rate valuation. So there's going to be some natural regression there just because I don't think he could keep that up. But I do think the gains he made are perfectly legitimate. So even if he puts together, let's say, a second half like what Shane Bieber had for the Indians in 2018 – with a few more strikeouts, I think there's going to be plenty of value. I think there's going to be top 25 starter value with him. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. He's the number 10 starter right now. If he asked me for one top 10 starter, I don't believe in finishing there. It would be him. Um, the other guys, the other top nine, all are legit. I mean, I think Ryu can make 28 to 30 starts and continue to pitch great. Bieber I love. Luis Castillo yep. I still love. Mike Miner's number 11. There's no reason to believe that's not going to continue, though. Is there? And, and forget the uh, trades, because I don't think Texas is trading him. Oh, I don't either. I think Texas is in the wild card hunt. As a matter of fact, I think uh, your point about the relievers, I think we should get into that after this, for, about the, the trade possibilities. Uh, the only reason I think Miner wouldn't finish at 11 is because there are other competitive arms who move ahead of him. I, I think Bueller finishes ahead. I think Bauer finishes ahead. I think Corbin probably finishes ahead. But... Based on the numbers, top 15, I don't think anybody's going to quibble with Mike Miner being a great, great buy this season if that's the, the yeah, final I number. Yeah, I agree. I'll say he finishes worse than 15th. We'll put, we could put lunch on this next time you guys are in town. I won't. I won't. I, give me the, if you gave me 20 <laughs> or 25, I'd take the bait, but I'm not at 15. Yeah, I'm 17 not. and a half. <laughs> no, next time I'm going to see you. The top 20 for the back end of the top 20, Lance Lynn, Jake Odorizzi, Frankie Montas. Obviously, Montas is out until like September. Drop him. Even if he comes back, he's not going to help your fantasy team in your head-to-head playoffs. Um, the one I'm out on in the top 20 of starting pitchers is Lance Lynn. Out. Just out. Well, I think the K rate's legit. But, no. I mean, Where's do, you it worry about Texas, do you worry about Texas pitchers in the heat? Yep. Yeah, I do too. 
It's part of it, and that does influence minors. Why, Kyle, I'm not taking the bait necessarily on this, but I, I, I don't think he collapses. I don't think he collapses, but like the difference in the, being the number 11 starting pitcher and 17 is like one outing. So I wouldn't bet on that. It's just it's whether you think like give me an ERA. Is the ERA going to be over 375 the rest of the way? I say no. I I, I buy in on what Mike Miner is doing. I buy in on what Woodruff. I buy Lance Lynn and Brandon Woodruff are the same. Tristan ones in the American League. Their oh, strikeout rates are legit. At all. I think Woodruff is his stuff is much more conducive to getting a higher K per nine than Lance Lynn. Just the raw stuff. Um, I'll spot you. I'd spot you a full strikeout per nine innings for the second half on him. It's a lot. Give me a pitcher who's not even in the top fifty who you think could get there. That because that, that's what people want. Who's in the right? top fifty? So I'm going to the second page of the player rater from fifty one to. Well, Snell's outside the top fifty. All right, so yeah, I, I think he'll have a ERA in the second half, three twenty five, three fifty, legit. And I'll lean to three twenty five, and I think he could beat that. Okay, I, I'm okay with that. I'm um, looking at other guys. That's Eduardo Rodriguez is one who I'm still love him. very bullish on, okay. very bullish on him. Uh, Snell's number seventy three, Syndergaard seventy four, and now there's word he might be traded. Flaherty seventy six. What a bad first half for Jack Flaherty. Yeah, and you know, at times he's shown greatness. Now, I watched him pitch the Seattle game where he was awful. He had his problems with walks. He had his problems with home runs especially, and they were bothersome. And then he goes into San Francisco and he throws a gem. It's maddening how inconsistent he is. By the way, um, and so what's the deal in ESPN leagues? I think this next three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, locks in for the whole next week. But if you're in a league where you can change your lineup next Monday morning, I don't think Flaherty is starting this weekend. Um, cause I have him in a league and I benched him for like a relief pitcher cause he's not starting Friday, Saturday or Sunday. But in ESPN leagues, I think it's all the same, isn't it? Isn't that how it's working or I could uh, be wrong? Okay. So in ESPN leagues and the traditional head to head, these three games this coming weekend, well, actually these four. Actually, they're games, attached to last week. They're attached already to the, to the matchup <laughs> in question. Okay. Uh, um, now I know I didn't write the forecast of the, that way. I'm, I'll tweet out some stuff that has to do with only these three days, but this is a problem for, and a lot of this broke recently. Clayton Kershaw is not pitching this weekend. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu is not pitching this weekend. As you mentioned, Flaherty is not pitching this weekend. Marco Gonzalez. There are a couple other guys. Joe, Joe Musgrove was one of them. Uh, Blake Snell is another one of them. So if you have just the three-day period coming up now, like for us in Tell Wars and Labor, you got to get these guys out of your lineup. Um, and we'll, we'll get to who is pitching this weekend, but first, a brief closer carousel. The, the closer, closer carousel. carousel. All right, Kirby Yates, Josh Hader, Brad Hand, Will Smith. We've got some left, and Araldis. Four of the top five are left-handed yep. relievers. How about that? Yeah, and they are very talented pitchers who I don't have much doubt on. But the reason I said we should talk a little about the closers is the trade rumors on the pitching side are centering around these guys. They are. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't ignore this. I, I'm not ignoring it, but I don't know why the Padres would deal Yates. They can make the wild card game, and, and it'd be a big deal to them where it might not be for, like, say, Cleveland. That's been to the playoffs in the World Series. But to me, San Diego, it'd be a big deal to get to a wild card playoff game, you know, and then you could... Paddock for three innings and, you know, Lamette. Who knows? They could get through that game. I just, I think it's important. But I don't manage a fantasy roster that way. You know what I mean? Like, I've got Shane Green on a team, and I'm not actively trying to trade him because I'm not sure he's going to get traded by Detroit. I mean, is Boston, and where would he go that he would close? Boston's going to trade for Shane Green I and let him right. close? I don't right. see, or Alex Colome and let him close? Or well, Will Smith is really the primary guy to me. The other is Ken Giles, I've, I've heard a lot about. But, 
uh, and Yates, Yates has been talked about. I, I do think that the majority of these guys, if they do get traded to teams that are in need of relief pitchers, there's an excellent chance they remain closers. The problem is that you never know when a team like the Yankees or the Dodgers, who have mm-hmm. nobody in the seventh or eighth innings, swoops in and takes one of these guys. Exactly, which is why I'd be concerned. But like, I've got Will Smith and NLA where I'm a point out of first. I'm not actively trying to trade him. I need, even if I only get like five more saves the rest of this month and then he becomes a setup man, there's still value there. Well, you but- traded for him. This is the thing. So in, in my longest, uh, Dynasty League, I'm, I need saves desperately, and the guys on the market are these pitchers. And I'll be honest with you, I am a little bit worried about giving a premium players right now for Will Smith, knowing that the trade deadline comes on July 31st. So this is it. I have 20 days of getting saves from him if he moves to a team and he's a setup man. Give me a reliever you want to sell on in a, in a fantasy league, other than Will Smith. Other than Will Smith. Um, and Shane Green is I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that there isn't talk about Alex Colome as a trade candidate and that he, I, I could see him being a setup man. That Colome is one I'd be selling on. And Luke Jackson, Atlanta, that's a first place team, a legit first place team. Liam Hendricks, by the way, is not going to be closing for much longer. He doesn't think. Although I think like Tron and shoulders messed up. So Hendricks been great this year. I think he might keep that job, but he even told me he's like, I'll be setting up in a week. But, um, I would say Wade Davis if you can still sell because Oberg takes his job soon. Um, who else? Emila Pagan might keep the part-time Tampa Bay closer role because the other guys are hurt. Right. Alvarado's out a long has, time. You can yeah, drop Alvarado. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, Pagan's certainly deserving comparative to Castillo when healthy. I, I think they, at, at the very least, they'll mix and match a little bit. So I'd, I'd agree. Um, the, the, the possible switch over for the Rockies just based on the fact that Scott Oberg has pitched considerably better than Wade Davis since his return comes into play. I'm, I'm with you that I, I'm not, I don't feel totally comfy with Luke, Luke Jackson, but I still think he's the odds on favor to get the bulk of the saves there. Briefly on the schedule, there is a game on Thursday night. It is on ESPN, the Battle of Texas. Framber Valdez of the Astros at Lance Lynn, the aforementioned who Tristan hates. Um, check it out on ESPN. <laughs> um, By the way, the tweak on that one is that because of this, Framber Valdez gets three starts if you play this entirety of the next 11 days as one period. Well, if he pitches well enough. <laughs> if he gets lit, lit tonight, he's in the minors tomorrow. That is That's a the other possibility, thing. correct. But, I mean, he's the only guy, other than Lance Lynn, if they skip a couple of yeah. guys in Texas, he's the only guy who could make three why, stars. Why there isn't a day game today and five night games, I can't tell you, but baseball is baseball. Friday, there is a day game at Wrigley Field. You Darvish are against Chris Archer. I won't go near either one of them in a fantasy league. <laughs> I knew you'd say that, Well, I can, agree. <laughs> I'm not just – I'm never going to get on board here. Um, well, I don't want to say never. ESPN Plus at night has uh, the Reds at the Rockies. At Coors Field, and Sonny Gray is apparently on the map for Cincinnati. We don't know for the Rockies. The Rockies is they've they're undecided between Herman Marquez and John Gray. They're pitching games one and two in some order. Let me ask you a pitcher or two for each day that's readily available. Let's go that sure. way. Denilson Lamet or Lemay, whatever. He's on the mound for Friday against the Braves. Are you buying a second half for him? He was a big strikeout guy two years ago. Um, if, if you have the luxury of mixing and matching to your choosing, and this is, this one would be a no, then yes, I'm in on him. If you've got to lock him in like you and I know with the labor type leagues, I'm a no on Lamette. And by the way, Yanni Chirinus on the mound for Tampa, he's a legit starter now. Those are yep. starter, good starter numbers. He's in the rotation. None of the shenanigans with the opener with him pitching the second to the fifth. He's a starting pitcher and he's going six, seven innings and he's at Baltimore on Thursday, on Friday. Yep. Saturday, um, it says Brennan McKay is back on ESPN Plus at he Baltimore. Is. is that true? 26th man because of the doubleheader. That will be oh. game one. They will call him up as that role. And I have a hunch that based on the schedule, they will then keep him on the roster and send another guy out. 
McKay or Paddock, second half of the season? Oh, that's an that's a great question. I'll, I'm going Paddock, but I don't feel totally strong on that. The only reason you? I'm here is to ask you good questions and read the ads. Um, <laughs> later on, who once, you got on that? Come on, give me your pick. I don't trust McKay. I, I think McKay has good numbers, but he's not a strikeout guy. He's not a not dominant hitter. So, I mean, the advantage you think you're getting in like an ESPN league with Brandon McKay, McKay you're not going to activate him as a hitter ever. You can't. Well, I don't think they're going to play him as a regular hitter too often. It's right. not going to so be like Otani. It's not Otani. Um, who else do I see here? I don't see. It. Wade Miley at Mike Miner. Now, I know you're not coming around on Wade Miley, but he's pitching well. He's winning games on a very good team. The ERA and whip are fine. The difference in him and Mike Miner, obviously, some ERA, a lot of strikeouts. But Wade Miley can be rostered in ESPN League and help you, I believe. Do you see, believe? Uh, <laughs> Kind of, uh, you know, and because they're all lefty, I'll go this way. I feel good about Mike Miner. I feel not so good about Brett Anderson, but he's been pretty good. And I feel like Wade Miley belongs somewhere right in the middle of those two. So I'm kind of in, but I don't feel great about it. Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN is uh, the Dodgers and the Red Sox. How about that one? Uh, David Price is apparently a man for Boston. We don't know yet about the Dodgers. They have announced they just did recently, and Kershaw and uh, Ryu are not pitching during this weekend. It's going to be <laughs> Kenta Maeda, Ross Stripling. Oh, no, wait. Hunter Miu is? So it's Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller who are the two who are not pitching this weekend. All right, fair enough. Um, let me see. Let me find you a starter here that you either like or don't like. Uh, no on him. Um, Trevor Williams versus Jose Quintana. I think you can make a case for both in the ESPN standard, but Quintana hasn't pitched consistently. Williams was good before the, uh, the injury. Um, either or you like both or either in your top 40? You're going to say no on Williams because uh, neither case. neither were uh, I don't feel like they were leaps and bounds outside. Quintana was closer. I I don't trust Williams, and in the past couple of outings, I've been unimpressed. Yeah, yeah, he's, something's changed with him. Uh, Monday there is a day game, so please get your lineups in early if you can change your lineups. And it's at Coors at two ten p.m. Eastern. That seems a little. That's bit another doubleheader day. Oh, another oh, so these doubleheaders. Okay, there you go. All right, uh, that's the first half of the show, and now Kyle speaks. And, and Kyle, while we were talking, tweeted out, what is this ridiculous Mike Miner? Nobody <laughs> oh, yeah. Give the look. people what they want. I don't think they he's don't. a top. I went top 23. I gave you some leeway, Tristan. They're, they're more interested in our in our fishball fantasy ro- football rosters. <laughs> Who'd you open with? That's such an interesting league. I, no I two rosters are it. the same. Yeah, so uh, I got the first pick, and wow. I took Saquon. Okay. Penn State. And right. in that, yeah, love that too. Love Got Penn to. State. Um, and in that league, you can play a quarterback at one of your four flex yeah, spots. Super flex. Yep. So you want to get, you know, a couple quarterbacks. I took Wentz early. Okay. And I in round Rivers. two, not not in round two, in oh, the three okay, four, yeah. in the four five. Oh, I took nice. Wentz. Nice. Wow, and, that's uh, strong. And Mahomes went four overall in mine. So I mean, you're talking yeah. serious QB inflation. Quarterbacks went off the board. Tight ends went off the board quickly yeah, because of that premium. format. Uh-huh. Yep. So I got um, in a six seven Rivers and Jared Cook. I love my team. There Who you knows? You know, Everybody likes fun. their team this time of year in that league. And then you better like your team after draft day. Come on! I love picking first because I, and not only because you get I I think Saquon's the number one guy, but I love picking back to back after that. So like I want to pick first or last in I'm all my right, leagues yeah. and it's really all, right. all sports for all me. sports. Yeah, yeah. basketball too. Basketball's coming up. I'll be ready. I, I, you know, take a point guard and a power forward center in the first round, first second. I love 
doing that anyway. Plus, we know you're a Closet Giants fan, so welcome aboard. Not in the least. He's more yeah, of a but you love Saquon. That had nothing yeah. to do. I, I mean, I, I have Miles Sanders in a dynasty format, and uh, and Penn State and Philadelphia Eagles. I was going to say, he checks both boxes checks for both you. both boxes yeah. for me. <laughs> and he's, he's better than Jordan Howard. Come on. Anyway, uh, the fantasy football focus. Yeah. Um, how often is that? And there's a road trip coming up. Let's plug that while we're here. Sure, yeah. It's spotty right now as far as we'll, we'll probably have another show between now and the live show. But we are in Detroit uh, the last week of July. And then we will go daily the first week of August. And we'll be five days a week coming at you in the mornings. Nice. But, which, uh, well, we need to talk about you. <laughs> so yeah. Tristan might be producing. You're going to be a busy man. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been invited on that show since the 90s. Um, we can make that happen. I'm sure it's going well. Anyway, let's get to some fantasy baseball questions while we still have a show. What's going on? Alrighty, Rod chimes in. He wants to know in a 6x6 six six roto who you got the rest of the way, Kyle Gibson or Anibal Sanchez? So you might think that's a crazy question. I mean, who's owning either of these guys? But Annabelle Sanchez, he's been really good since he came off the disabled list. And I kind of talked him up back in March. I kept him on a team, uh, foolishly maybe, but he's pitching really well. He, he's figuring it out, what he did last year. I know you were never a fan. But Kyle Gibson is more of a ground baller who gets strikeouts. We should say Gibson. But I want to say, like, if I rank Gibson, like, 45 among starting pitchers. Sanchez is not far behind for me. I would agree with that. I personally prefer Gibson because I think he's got a little bit better stuff and a little bit better command at this stage. That said, I think you're right about Sanchez being underrated and the Nationals. They have an amazingly good schedule for pitchers in the final two months of the season. Once we get to August 1st, look at that schedule. I see a, a series at Minnesota in September. Beyond that, not a lot on here terrifies me. Not not one of these. Not one of these series. That's a playoff team, and, you know, they could win the division. For all the people that counted the Nationals out in, like, mid-May, don't do anything in mid-May. Dodgers were like, how many games out last mid-May? I mean, like, people are... And, and the same goes for a fantasy league. So I made a, a minor mistake yesterday. So me and another guy are way up, like 20 points up in NL Labor, and... Uh, Steve Gardner, our friend of yours today, was tweeting out the, the standings for each of the three labor leagues. And in our league, I replied to, uh, it said, good luck to Derek Van Riper. Um, he's, he and I are at 98 and 97 points, and third place is 77. And he replies, like, somebody else can still win. And he's right. Yep. 20 points is not a lot, especially in an only format. It's happened it might- a lot in labor, too, yeah. It's not a lot in labor. It might be in points leagues. No, but... no. I mean, it, I mean, we've seen it happen a lot over the past half decade, where oh, yeah. somebody who was twenty points out made this huge second half surge. Happened last year. Yep. To our friend Gianella. So it can happen. Um, so you're right. I and I expect to finish second, but um, I hope I can even finish second. You're right. I can finish in third. The Nationals, by the way, you mentioned six games back of the Braves in the division. Do you know how many times they play each other? Like twelve. Fourteen yeah. times. Yeah, and I like the Braves. I'm not. I think the Braves and the Nationals are both making the playoffs, but one of them's in the wild card game because they're going to be the Phillies. I fully expect to get tweets saying you're not terrified of those Braves games. No, I'm not terrified. They are tough. I think the second and third best teams in the National League are the Braves and the Nationals, and it might not be in that order. I do power rankings. You do too on ESPN uh, MLB mm-hmm. coverage, and um, I think the Nationals and Braves are both top ten teams in baseball. So. Mm-hmm. Nationals wow. have really good pitching that could dominate the second half schedule. That's what strikes me, and Sanchez is part of that. All right, that was a lot on Sanchez. What's next? 
We know we've got Tristan's dynasty ranks coming out tomorrow. Michael wants to get a head start here. Who's the better player over the next five seasons, Bregman, Arenado, or Lindor? Well, I think you had like Lindor number three in your dynasty ranks, so you'd say him. And I kind of, I agree. Yep. I think he's more likely to steal bases than the other two guys. Bregman stopped running. Arenado never ran. So, I mean, look, in fantasy, you got three infielders here, but one is really a shortstop. The other two aren't. I think that matters. And yep. one steals a lot of bases. Or should. 25 years old Lindor, 25 years old Bregman, 28 years old Arenado. Can't really criticize any of them on the age front, but the 28 for Arenado means he's probably peaked. I want 3, 5, and 10. They're all top 10. That means franchise caliber dynasty players. So if you've got a personal preference, I'd say feel and, free. You know me, I like the complete balanced players. Lindor brings a little, uh, some greatness in everything. And by the way, he's probably switching teams. I hate to say that. Poor Cleveland, they're losing another star, but they made, they really nice to Michael Brantley. During the game, he had no choice. Cleveland didn't offer him a contract. And the Carlos Carrasco thing, I almost cried. Like, I really hope he comes back later this month. And I think fantasy managers should try to keep him rostered. He could still be a top 20 starting pitcher the rest of the season. I really believe that. But the point on Lindor is, I don't think they can afford him, the Indians. So, I don't know if he's going to the Yankees or the Red Sox or whatever. I mean, they have shortstops. But um just saying, he could switch ballparks and that could matter to his numbers, right? Mm-hmm. It could. He's yep. not going to course. So... Just something yeah, to there, there aren't many places I uh, there aren't many likely places I see his numbers going down. But yeah, yeah changes can be scary. Change for can be scary. We've seen some players that just haven't adapted well to moving teams, or it takes them a while. Machado's fine yep. now, but he was in the first two months. Harper's still not fine. Never going to steal. Anyway, just a thought there. Um, let me read this. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabelle. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter Get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, listeners to this fine show can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L, ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell, because ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. All right, we touched on it a little bit earlier, and other than the obvious Mike Miner answer, we've got a question here. Who is the top second-half regression candidate for you guys? <laughs> I, where, I mean, you, you put top 23 it. in that poll, which I think is right. I mean, is that really a scary number? No, I just oh. think he dropped off a little bit more than you guys, but this isn't my podcast. Why? He wants to know who you guys think has the biggest second-half <laughs> regression ahead I, of him. I, look, we spend a lot of time studying behind the numbers, like like other rates – Fit versus ERA differences. I mean, Blake Snell has the the worst ERA compared to FIP that I can find. Um, he's just been really unlucky. All his numbers matched last you know year pretty much. I think he's the top among qualifiers, correct? Yeah, among qualifiers. I just don't see Mike Miner falling apart. But um, Wheeler's up there too. Yeah, let me see here. So a guy who's going to fall like why is that so negative regression? I mean, by definition, to some degree, like some like Ryu probably can't keep this ERA this low all season. Um, Luis Castillo probably can't. 
but I, I don't think they're going to fall apart. Yeah, if you're buying both the still top 15 guys, I'm not like regression to me means who are you selling and getting rid of I now? I mean, I guess Lance Lynn's a good answer there. Sure. That's fair. Kyle, you're killing me with Mike Miner because the more I sort these columns, Mike Miner keeps showing up. Hey, how about that? (laughs) I mean, nobody, I I don't think anybody believes in the guy at all, but I I mean, one who's going to regress, I think, in a severe way is John Means. Well, who's... who's Right, I know, that's the thing. I mean, you know, like a lot of these players who have big numbers that we talk about as regression candidates, to me, strike me as obvious. Zach Davies, I mean, guys who don't miss a lot of bats. Yeah, and Davies already fell apart. <laughs> so and I have him in labor as well. I mean, yeah, I so tower. much is going to change. I mean, in a general sense, okay, and it's not the only number that matters, but I look at BABIP and I say, who's got a BABIP that can't stay there? Oh, I All know. Right? Now, not everybody who has a BABIP over 350 is going to regress. Like, Jeff McNeil is going to hit 340 this season. His BABIP is not going to regress that much to me. And he even said he could hit, he could hit 20 home runs if he wanted to. Domingo Santana, there's regression coming. Tim Anderson. There's regression. We knew that was going to happen. His batting average. He he's not going to hit 317. He might not even 217 the rest of the way. Uh-huh. Um, I think Lemayhu to some degree. It's a very high BABIP. He's not a base stealer. Um, Chavis has already started to regress a lot. That's a huge strikeout rate. You were right on with that one. I mean, Brandon Lau is a 33 percent strikeout rate, just like Chavis. There you go. I mean, he's probably not going to be able to hit 276 for long. There's there's batting average risk on guys like Lau and Chavis because. You just can't strike out that much and, and get away with it. Brand allows metrics scream regression, and I hate to say that because I yeah, like I him. Yeah, I hate it too. I, I like I him as a player, but the metrics I, I do. I, good. I, I just don't like – I don't see it continuing quite the same way. And then look at strikeout rate for hitters, and you find guys – like obviously Will Myers at this point. I mean he he's earned his 270 batting average. You can't strike out 35.7% of the time. Lau and Chavez are actually second and third in K-rate. Rognet Odor, who nobody's believing in. Santana's fifth. Jorge Soler, who I predict will will set the Royals organization uh, record for home runs in a season, but still hit 240 and be available in half the fantasy leagues. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And his season will be nowhere near as valuable in a fantasy context as the guy whose record he broke. But, like, he's going to end up with 40 home runs and 110 RBI, Tristan. That's still yeah. valuable. Oh, it's still valuable, without a doubt. But... I mean, in this environment, they're not worth anywhere near what they were 5, 10, 50 no. years ago. Mondesi, 4.7% walk rate, 27% K rate. Eesh. That 268 could be 220, but 28 steals. It's Billy Hamilton with a little pop. Yeah, the thing is with Mondesi is I feel like the batting average has already shown the regression. So if I throw you 250, are you really going to be that no, upset? Two, I'd, I'd be happy. If Mondesi finishes with a 250 batting average, I am fine with that. That's exactly what I projected, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, but with forty-five, fifty steals, Yohan Makata is a guy to be a little bit concerned about as well. Um, a lot of K's, nothing, not a whole lot since the first couple weeks. Does it bother you at all that two Padres rank among the four players who have a thirty-plus percent homer to fly ball rate, and they are Franmil Reyes and Hunter Renfro and Franmil? Yeah, um, I was talking to Schoenfield about this at the All Star break. Like, is it? Is San Diego's ballpark still, and we don't know this from three months, but is it still really that much of a pitcher's park? I mean, we saw last year the trends changed a little bit here. They weren't that mu- They weren't. They weren't a top five pitcher's park last year, were they? Uh, they weren't a top there. five. They were a top eight, if I recall. So, right, so it wasn't ex- as extreme as normal. Now, right. these right. guys are hitting more of their home runs on the road than at home still, but. I think you're just talking about guys who won't hit for average. I mean, Renfro and Reyes are going to hit 40 home runs. 
and bat 240. That's right, but I mean, my, my, the reason I ask it is, will they get to that threshold? Because there's probably going to be some regression in that category. Petco Park, by the way, in home runs, 21st on our Park uh, Park Factors page for this year. And when I graded them for the, the new dimensions in the preseason, they, they ranked somewhere around that number as well. That's one of the fascinating things to me in fantasy, Tristan, is that you've got these guys like Reyes, Renfro, Soler, Renato Nunez. People don't need their power. Like, they're not adding them in fantasy leagues, and they're going to end up... 40 home run guys, you would never be able to... Even like Chris Carter, when he had the 40 home run season, you would never be able to just ignore that in a fantasy league. Stick him in util, even if it's a one- or two-category guy. People are avoiding Jorge Soler. I, I just don't get it. There's still value in home runs. In all my leagues, Tristan, mm-hmm. I still need more power. And I'm, like, right at, you know, top five in power, and I still need more. It's not enough. It's never enough. You, you do play in, I mean, the majority of deeper than traditional leagues. Oh, yeah. They're not just 10-team, like, ESPN points leagues. I'm talking Roto Leagues as well. I'm talking, like, 12-team NL only. I'm talking 20-team mixed. It's never enough power. You've got to you've got to stick with guys like Christian Walker in case they hit another 15 home runs. Right. And, but and in the shallow leagues, I think the power is worth an awful lot less, and the player rate has shown that. I, I Was it Mark Trumbo, who I think I did the comparison of a couple of years ago, or it might have been Chris Davis, the, the Orioles one? Where it's, you know, like the 40 homer threshold is worth a lot less now than it had been in the past. So in a mixed league, they need to contribute something else. All right. Let's contribute a couple more hash browns here. Sure. We got two more here. Ed has noticed quite the pop with walk rate spike for Eloy. He wants to know if that's something you can count on the rest of the season and moving forward into 2020. Yeah. Eloy Jimenez kind of looks better than Vlad now. I mean, Monday notwithstanding. (laughs) Right? I mean, Eloy has looked recently like a superstar. And I think that's what we all expected. And that's why we think that Vlad is going to get there soon as well. Um, what are the exact numbers on Eloy over the last couple of weeks? Um, actually, batting average is down. What, what who am we talking about? Yeah. I just think, I think Eloy is a 30 home run guy this year and it's next a five, year. Five game July sample though. I mean, the June one was pretty good. Bad June was very good. No, that, that's fair. Um, Eloy versus Vlad, you can make the case here for Eloy, can't you? Oh, yeah, you absolutely can. And I, I think as far as since we mentioned the Rookie of the Year race before, I think that Eloy already has a, a leg up in that just because he's been around a little bit longer and he started to show those signs of greatness. I love this guy. You know I'm a, a oh, from, yeah, from a yeah. scouting perspective, I'm personally a very big fan of him, and he's another one who got very generously ranked in my dynasty ranks. I mean, I think the top rookies are Tatis and Alonzo and Soroka. They're all in the National League. American League is a wide-open NL rookie, AL rookie race. It's going to be fun. I mean, mm-hmm. Lau could win it. could be somebody else we don't John expect. John could win it. I think, I think Jordan Alvarez of the Astros could still win it. He's got 20 yeah, home runs and like could. 300 at-bats. Yeah, he could. And and that's he's a guy I have a hard time placing a, a value on. I think I threw 110 was the overall rank for him uh, for this week. But he, he could be top 40 the rest of the way. All right, and one more. Last one comes from Joe. He hasn't loved the returns he's gotten from Yadier Molina this year. He wants to know if he can move on in favor of a guy like James McCann or Christian Vasquez. You can move on from Yadi. You can move on from Buster Posey um, every Thursday, except this one, of course. I write the free agent article, and I say that there's only four catchers that need to be universally rostered in the ESPN Standard League. And in order, Gary Sanchez... Uh, Real Muto, Contreras, and Grandel. And that's it. They're the top four on the player. Sanchez is actually number four on the player rater among catchers, uh, which is kind of interesting. Low batting average. That's playing a role. If you want to drop any other catcher 
and pick up James McCann and Christian Vasquez, who are number five and six for the season, I'm all for it. Yachty's showing nothing. Posey's showing nothing. Go. Roberto Perez is going to hit 26 home runs. <laughs> if you oh, want to pick geez. up Roberto Perez, now I don't think he's going to all continue what he's doing. But why wouldn't you juice that orange? Mitch Garver, why wouldn't you pick up Omar Narvez? Good batting average, power. You're oh, screaming it's, after these four guys. Do you, do you disagree with it's, it's, it's the Tom Murphy factor. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think in this case, it's a lot of managing the matchups. I, I'm, I'm with you that if you need to move on here because Molina's not contributing much, I'm okay with that. And Vasquez is going to face a lot of lefty pitching. He hits them well this season. But I think you're going to be rolling this position over a lot and streaming catchers. If you don't want to go that way and do the homework, you got to find one guy and stick with him. And I, I think it's a streamer if you if you don't have one of the top four guys. And James McCann might hit 210 in the second half, but we're very negative on guys like that. Why can't he just keep hitting 300? Obviously, the bad people on James McCann is ridiculous. Okay, he's not going to hit 315 the rest of the way. But even if he hits like 250, 260, is Yachty going to be? Do that? Yeah, he could be a very capable catcher. He's another guy who I feel does a lot better against the lefty pitchers, and I'd rather have it go in the other direction. He's in the right ballpark. I, I don't have a major issue with McCann. I did move him up in my rankings, but I don't feel I don't feel locked in. I don't feel locked in about any of the catchers this season. Molina's I don't know. The Molina thing's driven me crazy. The the injuries I think have taken something away from him. I agree. I mean catchers just can't do that into their thirties. You know, look at Posey. Well, he's thirty six. He's done it for I mean he he's put up three or so great years in his mid thirties that I don't think anybody really expected. But what if this is the Miguel Cabrera path? Oh boy, I don't even want to think about that. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Miguel it, Pereira has no power at all now, none. But but Molina's been so had had so many bumps and bruises this season that I I worry a little bit about that. It could finally yeah. be catching up with him, I, and right. that'd be a shame. Final thoughts here, gentlemen. As we uh, we will have shows next Monday and Thursday, I believe, and until you know whenever. Um, so keep Yay! listening along to our shows if you <laughs> if you don't mind. But also I'll listen to our friends at the Fantasy Focus Football as well. Um, any final thoughts for this weekend? It's a weird weekend, Tristan, because there's only one game on Thursday, and you're coming back from the break. And you know, are we going to see a ton of offense? I hope the baseballs. I don't. I, I want the baseballs to change back next season, but I don't want them to change this weekend. Like <laughs> you already got three months. Don't. And that was a messy what happened at the all-star game with p- players talking and the commissioner yeah. saying you know i don't think they ordered a change in the baseballs but it's just weird stuff um the only reason that alarms me at all is that uh, when when the first hints of the quote juiced baseball came up did happen in the all-star break i feel like it was 2015 I'm sorry if I had the year wrong. It might have been 2014 or 16. I feel like it was 2015. They showed up at the All-Star break. They did not show up on day one. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, please, uh, everybody enjoyed the weekend back to baseball. I know we missed real baseball the last couple of days. So for Tristan and for Kyle, I am Eric. Have an awesome weekend. Everything is awesome. Darkness.